Hello and welcome to Baylor Connections, a conversation series with the people shaping our future. Each week we go in-depth with Baylor leaders, professors, and more discussing important topics in higher education, research, and student life. I'm Derek Smith, and today we are talking health for teens, tweens, and more with Dr. Jessica Peck. Dr. Peck serves as clinical professor at the Baylor University Louise Harrington School of Nursing. An internationally awarded nursing leader, she served as president of the National Association of Pediatric Nurse Practitioners. As a pediatric nurse practitioner in primary care, Dr. Peck has, over the last 20 years, engaged, encouraged, equipped, and empowered families to raise holistically healthy kids. She's an accomplished author of dozens of clinical articles for peer-reviewed journals. She's a regular contributor to parenting magazines and is a frequent guest on radio and television shows promoting the health of children. Her just-released book, Behind Closed Doors, is a practical guide for parents guiding their teens and tweens through cultural change and modern-day health threats. So you're a professor, a mom, an author. Uh, You're (laughs) in Dallas at our Louise Harrington School of Nursing campus, but back in Waco quite a bit as well with a daughter here at Baylor. Imagine you're pretty busy these days, so thanks for taking the time to join us. Thanks so much for having me, Derek. I look forward to our chat. Well, and, you know, that's something to mention. Maybe not everyone knows as we talk. I mean, we have Baylor students who, Baylor nursing students start off in Waco, but the main Louise Harrington campus, School of Nursing campus, is in the heart, heart of Dallas. So you're, how, how, how often are you back and forth? I'm back and forth a lot, and I'm actually, I actually live in Houston, but travel to the Dallas campus and volunteer quite a bit at Waco because my daughter's a sophomore here. So I'm quick to raise my hand and then tell her, oh, I'm here to work. But mm-hmm. it works out really great. And actually, our second daughter was just accepted to Baylor Nursing School, so it'll be our second Baylor Bear, and we're really excited to fling our green and gold afar. Well, that's exciting. I'm glad to have them here as a, as a part of the program. So, mentioned your title at the top. Could you take us a little further inside that? When we talk about a clinical professor, what, what does that mean? Sure. So, I teach future nurses, and we know more than ever that we need nurses. In the United States, there's a nursing shortage. So, Baylor Nursing has programs all the way from undergraduate, where we train registered nurses, all the way to a graduate program. We have nurse practitioner specialties and family and midwifery and pediatrics, which is my specialty, adult gerontology. We're starting a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner program. We have nurse anesthetists and nurse leaders. We are training nurses to go all over the world from Baylor to learn, lead, and serve. Well, that's exciting. And we see that. We see them traveling on mission trips and certainly going out in their professional careers and, and really doing great things. And in the community as well over the last few years, a lot of exciting things that our students and faculty are doing. You know, and, and we talk about your role as a, uh, as a pediatric nurse practitioner, you know, as we're talking, uh, last week was pediatric nurse was a pediatric nurse practitioner week, or excuse me, national nurse practitioner That's week. That's right. So, could you take us inside that? Uh, what that role is, a nurse practitioner? How does that differ? How is it similar to being a nurse and a doctor? Yes, absolutely. So, uh, so nurse practitioners are really an emerging vital health force in the United States. There are about 335,000 nurse practitioners working in health settings across across the U.S. and in all the other places around the world as well. So nurse practitioners are holistically trained. So we look at a person from a holistic point of view. We don't just care about your physical health, although we know that's important. We also care about your social health, your emotional health, your mental health, all of those things that do impact physical health. And so we are here to 
meet families across the lifespan. You can find us in hospitals, in clinics, in camps, in surgery, in ICUs, all across everywhere, which is really exciting because we're here to meet the health needs of patients. So how does that work if, so say, for example, I or someone went in for a a specific need for an illness or an injury, but there were opportunities to maybe to maybe go deeper. How, how does that work for people who haven't interacted maybe with a nurse practitioner? Oh, sure. Absolutely. So nurse practitioners you can find anywhere. And the great thing about currently patients are really savvy healthcare consumers and they can look and see what kind of healthcare provider is going to be right for them. And there are all kinds of healthcare providers who can work together as a team. But nurse practitioners are able to prescribe and diagnose and manage health problems. And they're certified in different areas. So some are certified in primary care and they'll give you primary care just like a physician would give you primary care or some of them work in an ICU or some of them work in an ER and so anywhere that you encounter a nurse practitioner they're going to use their their special skill set and education and training to meet the health need that you have presenting in that health care at that time. And you are a specifically a pediatric nurse practitioner. What, what do you enjoy about working with young people and getting to interact with them at, a, at that distinct point in their lives? Oh, I, I've always worked in pediatric primary care. And obviously, I love pediatrics because I have four kids mm-hmm. of my own. So I've taken that devotion to pediatrics, both personally and professionally. And I've worked in clinics mostly and, and some in a community regional hospital. I really love about pediatrics working in primary care is seeing families grow up. So I'm on a third generation now of patients that I'm taking care of. So building relationships with family over time so that we have a trust built up between us. I can help consult with them as a pediatric expert, but know that they're the expert in their child. And the best care that we're going to give is by partnering together that expertise to give the best health outcomes for their kids. So I love seeing babies come in when they're firstborn and just so fresh and full of life. And then they grow up and have their own babies and come back to clinic and make me feel like, am I 107 years old already? (laughs) But it's really special to build relationships with different generations of families like that. And kids are just so inspiring and so resilient and just so honest. I just, I really love taking care of kids. No, that's exciting. And and there's going to be more opportunities for for students because uh, at the Louise Harrington School of Nursing, there's now an online DNP, a pediatric NP nurse practitioner track program. Could you tell us a little about this? Uh, what led to it and, and, and where is it headed? Sure, absolutely. So we are actually the first program in the state of Texas for pediatric nurse practitioners to be able to go from a baccalaureate degree to a doctor of nursing practice degree. And those students are going to be trained in both primary care and acute care environments, which means, you know, out in the community, just taking care of your general primary care checkups and health needs, but also in ICU, emergent or urgent care settings. And this is Uh, something that is desperately needed because we see all of the unique health needs of children and Louise Harrington School of Nursing is preparing nurses to be able to respond to those healthcare needs. So we have actually, uh, our program is relatively new, but it's one of the biggest programs in the country. There's a lot of appeal. Baylor has a great name. Baylor nurses Mm -hmm. um, have a great reputation. And the great thing about an online program, it's a hybrid program. The students do come to campus for us to teach them skills like suture 
posturing and, you know, uh, other physical skills that they need. But we want to really deliver education in their community. Sometimes when they have to come to school, they may move and then, you know, people move to Waco. They may not want to leave once they see what Chip and Joanna have done with the place. But we really want to spread healthcare across the country. So by allowing these working nurses, they're already working as registered nurses, to achieve graduate education, to be able to expand their skill set, to meet the health needs of people in their community, that is a real innovation that Baylor's being able to do. So I have students in Guam. I have students in uh, New York City. I have students in uh, states all over the country, uh, all all over the country and all over the world. So it's really exciting to see Baylor's influence learning, leading, and serving through, through the nursing program. Well, I think, you know, it's, I'm sure it's self-evident that an online opportunity to pursue these degrees is, is a beneficial thing. But as you talk about things like nursing shortages and just needs in communities, is that especially valuable now? I think people after the pandemic expect more of that, perhaps. But is it even more valuable to have those sor- sorts of offerings in this specific time? Oh, it absolutely is. And to be able to expand the opportunity for a Baylor education all around the world is a great thing to do. Nursing is innovative, and we always will find a way to rise up and meet the challenges of tomorrow. And what we see is discrepancies in healthcare and disparities in healthcare across the country, where rural communities don't have as much access to healthcare as maybe we do here, even in Waco, but looking in Dallas at the big medical center that we train our nurses at. So to be able to leverage that skill set and take it into rural counties that maybe don't have uh, a primary healthcare provider even. There's some counties in Texas that don't have a single healthcare provider, or they don't have access to reproductive care or, you know, having babies or um, intensive care or urgent care. We're able to increase the number of care providers that are providing excellent care in those spaces. Mm -hmm. You know, you think about Baylor, and you know, you mentioned Baylor nursing. It yeah. it has a name, and certainly Baylor's distinct with its faith background. What does right. that integration mean to mean to you as you work with your students? It makes Baylor one of the most unique places in nursing education. Nursing is a calling, and we are able to really embrace that to see that it's not just a profession, but it's an integration of our faith. And so we are, you know, Christians who have nursing as a platform to serve the world. And that is a really exciting thing to do. So we integrate faith into everything that we do. It may be in the classroom, in the discussions that we have, in the ways that we care for our patients, in the ways that we learn, in the ways that we lead, and in the ways that we serve. It is not just something that we do, but it is who we are. This is Baylor Connections. We are visiting with Dr. Jessica Peck, clinical professor at Baylor University's Louise Harrington School of Nursing and author of her just released book, Behind Closed Doors. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Before we do, I want to ask just to get a sense of some of uh, the ways that you're able to uh, apply your, your work and your research interests including human trafficking. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Do you get do you get the question of, wait a minute, nurse, human trafficking, <laughs> where, where, where do those ties come together? I had that question myself when I first mm-hmm. started working in this. About uh, close to a decade ago, you know, as a pediatric professor, as a nurse practitioner, a mom of four, I really felt like I had my finger on the pulse of what was going on with kids. And a leader in our community who runs an anti-trafficking organization that's actually affiliated with Antioch Church that started here in Waco, mm-hmm. uh, she asked me to write continuing education for nurses about human trafficking. And my answer to her was, oh, absolutely not. No, I don't know anything about human trafficking. That's not a nursing thing. You know, if you want, 
I, I don't even understand. But what she told me was the people that she was working with who had been abused and exploited in trafficking had all seen nurses or other healthcare providers without getting any intervention or treatment at all. And so at the time I said, okay, I don't know about trafficking, but I do know about educating nurses. So give me the content, I'll give you the process, and maybe you'll stop calling and I'll mm-hmm. feel better about you know having done my good deed. But when I started learning about it and seeing how pervasive it is in our community, in Waco, in the state of Texas, and all across the country, I told her, you know, I asked, how can I help you? But the right question is, how can I not help you? Mm-hmm. And so that really led to a dramatic left turn in my career. And I found myself in the halls of Congress, uh, advising U.S. senators, influencing legislation here in Texas. I was a key witness in the passage of House Bill 2059, which requires all direct care providers in Texas to take continuing education about trafficking. I'm working in Indonesia and Malaysia and England and India and all over the world and still here influencing policy, but really engaging and equipping nurses to be able to respond to people who present in healthcare systems who have been abused and exploited through trafficking. And it's been really uh, gratifying and rewarding to do that through a faith-based lens. You know, as you describe that, obviously you've been able to apply it very specifically through policy change. I don't know if that's the answer to this question or what. You mentioned it's rewarding and gratifying. What aspects of it? Are there individual moments or just things that have stood out to you as being especially meaningful that you're glad you got involved on that track? It's all of the above. Of course, you can look at the legislation that we've passed and say, this is fantastic, knowing that passing House Bill 2059 is going to literally impact tens of thousands of health care providers, which will impact hundreds hundreds of thousands and perhaps millions of patients. So those things always feel good. But really, it's the individual stories, the heart, the nurses who will contact me and say, you know, I was I received your training and I was able to identify someone and this is their story. Or even, you know, there was another nurse who in, who had your training and interacted with someone who didn't make an outcry, but later on down the line, they did. Well, that's exciting, and it's neat to see how it can apply very specifically as we visit with Dr. Jessica Peck. And let's uh, let's pivot a little bit now and talk about your book, Behind Closed Doors. I think it, a lot of families can have uh, aspects of this that will really speak to them. So could you give us first, what's the, sort of the elevator pitch for Behind Closed Doors? <laughs> what's, what's it about? Sure. Well, I will say that, you know, for me as a professor, I'm very concerned about the statistics coming out, talking about mental health crises and other things that challenges that teens are facing. As a pediatric nurse practitioner, I meet families behind closed doors and points of crisis they never saw coming. And as a mom, I see my own kids struggling at home, and I know what it's like to feel like you want to be be the best parent you possibly can, but to feel like you're failing miserably. And so what I want to do is equip parents with practical skills. This is a Jumanji-style parenting adventure. It is not just a book that you read to inform you. It is a roll up your sleeves, get your hands dirty, your feelings will get hurt, but the adventure and the rewards are just absolutely epic and immeasurable. And so I'm invite parents, I'm inviting parents on a journey to pursue the heart of their teen and build healthy relationships. 
how did experiences in your own family inspire and, and shape the book? Sure. Well, experience in my own family, I experienced uh, brokenness and estrangement from my parents, which has been, I think anybody listening can relate to the loss of family relationships and just know that you have the best intentions and you want conflict to be resolved, but just feeling like that gap cannot be mended is really heartbreaking. And so I looked at it from a, per- a personal lens of how do I parent teens when I didn't have a good relationship with my teens? And that was always a fear that I would lose my own relationship with my kids. So the opening scene of my book is lest anyone look at my credentials and think I have it all together. It starts with my 13-year-old riding in the backseat of my car and throwing a book at my head while we were driving because, you know, i thinking we had just arrived to that point of crisis. And I knew that I was going to need a new mindset and a new skill set. So that's where I feel like God's called me with a unique skill set with a brain of a professor, hands-on nursing experience, but most importantly, the heart of a mom to walk along, alongside parents who experience a lot of stigma and shame with these challenging moments in parenting. And I really want to encourage and empower parents to walk in freedom with grace and truth and have hope for the future. For, for families maybe wondering, you know, sometimes ki- kids all go through moments where they aren't at their best or where they're down. But for parents maybe wondering about depression or, or more serious things that require some attention, what, what does depression and maybe other uh, other challenges look like for tweens and for teens and children? Sure. Well, parents can just, you know, have heart palpitations just listening to the news and seeing all of the threats that can, uh, that can encompass teens today. People often ask me about the mental health threat and they say, is this as bad as people are saying it is? Is this fear-mongering? Like, do we really need to be concerned? And as a nurse, it's very important for me to give trustworthy answers. And what I would say about the mental health crisis is that it's probably worse than you than you actually think. We've had COVID, which was a significant social and emotional injury for kids. They have been locked up in digital environments, and they're disconnected from meaningful in-person relationships. We have life coming at the speed of a smartphone. We were not designed to absorb all of the world's bad news in a single moment. And teens are living under pressure that looks like, I just saw a news story last week about a girl, a a young girl who was sitting on a subway. She has a condition called neurofibromatosis that makes tumors grow all over your body. Well, someone just saw her sitting there and took a secret video of her and put a a caption on it that basically said, does she have monkeypox? Well, this went viral and the girl's sister ended up seeing it and then, you know, saw her humiliation in front of millions. This is the kind of environment that our teens are trying to navigate and threats that, frankly, we as parents didn't encounter growing up. We didn't have to worry about cyberbullying or sexting or gender identity crisis or social justice or all of these things that are encompassing teens today. So that's overwhelming. But the hope is that Generation Z is willing to talk about mental health in a way that previous generations have not. Each generation has had a dysfunctional way of coping, but Gen Z is willing to talk about it. And I think that's a great opportunity for us as parents with old school social skills Mm -hmm. to partner with our kids with a fresh world perspective to really walk together. And you can easily get distracted by these health threats, but I believe the key is building a foundation of healthy relationships. And if you do that, you can navigate 
any challenge that comes your way together. You're a researcher, so you've got these research-backed interventions or uh, methods to to work with your teen, along with just your own experiences. How do those things come together in in, in the book? Well, that was really the fun part of writing the book, is combining my professional and personal experience and my faith-based lens. So I walk parents through three sets of doors behind the clinic door. I tell them, what does it look like for a kid with mental health to present in my practice? A kid who's sexting, how do they end up in front of me? I tell real-life stories that way. And I give the advice that when I close the door in the clinic and the parents wondering what's going on on the other side of that door, what are you telling my kid? I'm going to rip back the veil on that and tell you everything that I'm telling them. The second door is behind the home door. So where I walk and say, how do you translate this conversation that we had in the clinic to home? What are practical ways that you can set up conversation settings in both physical environments and relational settings to open up that conversation? And then we have behind the heart door. When we face what our teens are facing today, it will hurt your heart. And I'm going to take good care of parents' hearts. And so we talk about making sure that our own trauma, that our own hurts that we have, don't become our teens' hurts. So I have devotionals, I have scriptures, I have prayers, I have playlists that are themed to go with each chapter, themes like peace for mental health or victory over substance use. And so all of those resources are there along with additional resources. And it was actually my uh, work in human trafficking that led me to this book because human trafficking doesn't happen in you know being kidnapped by a scary person in a white van in the grocery store. It happens in upstream risk factors like mental health and cyberbullying and sextortion and things like that. And so I want to walk parents way back upstream and be able to prevent that problem and prevent that hurt and take a proactive approach to stop hurt before it starts. Kids are amazingly resilient. And if we have early intervention, we can literally impact the way that their brain is developing and working. Well, as we wind down here, as you share that, I think we got time for one more question. I guess the big question for me would be, if there's one thing you want parents to take away from this conversation now that they can uh, apply or just uh, hold on to themselves, what would that be? I want parents to find hope. Today, In today's world, it's very easy to feel hopeless, to feel discouraged, to feel overwhelmed, to feel like, you know, there is there hope for this generation? What are we doing raising kids in a world like this? What is their future going to look like? And I want parents to know that God intends to give us hope and a future and a hope that doesn't disappoint. And because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. He has compassions for the struggle that we're going through. We should have compassion for ourselves. And his mercies are new every single morning. So I want parents who feel like I've messed up. There's no hope. There is hope. And if you will meet me here in this journey, I would love to walk alongside you as a guide on the side to help you find hope in your healthy and healthy relationships, which, by the way, are not perfect. Perfect relationships are impossible. And healthy relationships aren't perfect, but we can find hope in healthy relationships. Absolutely. Well, the book is called Behind Closed Doors, and you can check that out. And we really appreciate you taking the time to share about that today and to uh, take us inside the work you do and you and your colleagues at the Lewis Harrington School of Nursing. Thanks so much for doing that. Thanks so much for having me, Derek. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Dr. Jessica Peck, clinical professor at Baylor University's Louise Harrington School of Nursing, our guest today on Baylor Connections. I'm Derek Smith. A reminder, you can hear this and other programs online, baylor.edu slash connections, and you can subscribe to the program on iTunes. Thanks for joining us here on Baylor Connections.